And here we go. Good afternoon, everyone. BC here. Hope you're experiencing a wonderful Tuesday here. I'm in Southern California, which is nice, trying this new equipment here because some people on YouTube say they can't quite hear my voice clearly. So I said, let me try something different. I use a microphone to make things happen. So that being said, okay, stop. Here we go. Okay, everyone, good afternoon. Hope you guys are doing well. Welcome to a new episode of the BC Motor Tech Tuesday, episode 146. So thank you so much for joining. I have this new equipment here. People have been complaining that on YouTube, they quite can't hear my voice. So I have this new microphone and hopefully it works well. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you so much for joining me here in this wonderful Tech Tuesday, allowing me to use this as an archiving moment. And if you haven't subscribed, all of you on Instagram, please do go on YouTube, look for BC Moto and hit that notification bell. So every time I put out a cool video on a project or something that's infotainment or better yet, technotainment, you get to be notified. Hello, real kill. My good seeing you. Falcon lover. You like this shirt, eh? It's my little test. I'll probably make it happen. Let me know your size again. I'll make it happen for you. It's clear, says Jamal makes apps. Thank you so much, sir. It's on YouTube that people are complaining. So I have this microphone right here. So hopefully it does a great job. I think I have another microphone dangling somewhere here and hopefully it's good, but we'll see what happens. Okay. Thank you so much, Jamal Makes Apps. Good seeing you indeed. Oh, Oklahoma's in the house. Could have us Isaac Rennells. Hello, sir. That's Simon Photography. Thank you so much. Jamal says he needs a shirt. Okay, that's it. I will put up on the site. Um, Roman's Lifestyle needs medium. Leo Baganas. Good seeing you indeed, sir. Shirt's dope. Wow, thank you. It's of the K3V. But today, I'm not surrounded by electric 935s. Instead, I have three. One, two, and three center seat Porsches here that we had put together. My good team, Sam, Drum, myself, Hedy, um, Lindsay, Albert, we all like got these beautiful cars together and I wanna talk about how amazing it is to drive center seats. T2 Mimi Next Self says large please. Oh man, now, now I'm, I'm shocked. I feel kind of bad now. So I only made like literally guys like four of these um, to see if people like them. And you guys love them. So after this podcast, I'm going to go up on the BC Motor Web Store. I'll put them up. And the first four, if they're gone, that's fine. And then I will have some back order opportunities for you to order some. So we'll see what happens, you know. Center Seat Heat says Consultant 247. Veloster Racing Red says Small. Oh, my God. I feel so embarrassed. I didn't know how you guys would like this shirt or not. I had no clues. It has an old 70s vibe to it. And I said, okay, 70s vibe, which is kind of the era that the 935 existed in, mixed with uh, electrification. How would they like that? So I'll make that happen. Okay, so Jabal is bringing me back on track. Center seat. Oh, my God. Dope. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate that indeed. And this red one here is the very first one. It was a prototype of concept. Um, started up his life as a 986 um, Porsche um, Boxster. We have a Cayman-esque roof on it, which is made of carbon fiber. Has a 997 front end, which is pretty cool from a 911. And it is the most amazing thing I've ever driven. It came to light primarily because I had the opportunity, thanks to Porsche, thank you guys at Porsche for allowing me to drive a variety of Porsches on the track. I think as far back as 2016, I believe it was. Yes, 2016. They rented out of the raceway in Fontana, not too far away from here. And we had the opportunity to drive the Turbo S 911, the Cayenne 
turbo, the Panamera turbo, Cayman R, and there was something else we had there that wasn't too exciting. But anyway, of all the cars there, of course the fastest was the 911 Turbo S. That was just amazing around the California Speedway. But then the Cayman R was amazing. It shifted beautifully with that R PDK setup. It had the opportunity to give this well-balanced feel, which is amazing. And that being said, it was really, it was really shocking. Um, the handling was unlike anything else. I know, I miss Dragon as well at, at Fontana DR2K. And what had happened was I experienced this opportunity where I felt that with the handling of the Cayman and the power of the Turbo S, it would be, dare I say, the most perfect Porsche. The perfect Porsche. So I'm like, ooh, how can we make this happen, right? So I got to work. And what I decided to do is I thought about the most tunable center seat, or mid-drive, I should say, mid-drive vehicle, and the, you know, 987 Cayman S. So I picked up a Cayman S from Texas, sight unseen, had it shipped here. And I went to town, and hence the twin turbo setup you saw on the gray Cayman. I now gave it 480 wheel horsepower, and it was perfect. It felt like the most perfect Porsche. Well balanced, very forgiving, mid-engine, AC, power steering, going to the track, having a fun blast, shooting flames. It was perfect. Sitting at an event, it was the California Festival of Speed. I was sitting with a good friend, Matt Crook. He's one of the founders of 1552, the wheel company. Hello, AJ. AJ, who's been a good influence on me, on teaching me how to be a better road race driver, I had the opportunity to think about what could I do to make this center drive, or not center drive, but center mid-engine setup even more exciting. And I said, you know what? What if we sat in the middle of the car? So now we have a center seat location, mid-engine, twin turbo power from Porsche, balanced flat six engine, and just amazing handling to boot. And guess what? It was fantastic. It, it, it worked. The first time I was on the track, and AJ, you know Sam, um, I drove for the first time. I was very afraid, and then I was driving the streets and driving beautifully, but the first, first time on the track, I was so scared. There was integrals passing me up. It was disgusting. So I'm driving around the streets, and then the, you have that really tight turn. I think it was turn three, really tight one, where you have to kind of slow down and navigate properly. So as, as I went and started doing laps, I got more and more comfortable with the car, and I got really excited. I think it was my fifth lap. I was at speed and I forgot about that turn, that abrupt turn at streets. And I knew I was going to crash. I'm like, that's it, guys. I'm crashing. So I kind of let go of my body. I didn't want to absorb any of the energy from the impact or going off the road. So I just let myself go and I just navigated the turn knowing I'm going to go off track. And guess what happened, guys? It hugged the road. It worked. It was so amazing. Like It was like on rails. It just hugged that turn like it was nothing. And I was like, in my helmet, screaming, ah! I was just screaming my helmet, like, this is the most amazing thing ever. I came back and I said, Sam, you're gonna drive this car, it's ridiculous. And, you know, Sam was like, okay, whatever, BC, you're just saying because we built it. I'm like, no, no, Sam, drive this car. Sam did seven laps, didn't get off the track. He couldn't believe how amazing it was. And fast forward to today, the last person to drive this red one on the track was Jay Leno, and he, his words exactly was that he owns a, a, an F1, and this thing handles amazingly well. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna post a video later on today on what Jay Leno said. He said, these guys at BC Motor, they know their stuff. He was so impressed with his car, he couldn't believe how amazing it felt. So it's like a go-kart on steroids, amazing vehicle, just something I love so much. And hence, we have the gold one here, which Mattel purchased as a Hot Wheels car. So this Hot Wheels own vehicle they purchased from us. And there's another black one over there, which is more of another second generation of the first prototype that we made, which is amazing, you know? Harry, hello, it's Harry LSX. Good seeing you. 
I was looking forward to seeing you, Terry, um, at SEMA this year, and SEMA was canceled. And someone just asked, what do I think about, you know, you know SEMA being canceled? And it's, it's quite sad, but it's, it's necessary with the pandemic, what's going on. So it's for the safety of everyone. And imagine a lot of companies were afraid that if they forced employees to go to SEMA and got sick, they can get into some kind of financial jeopardy. So that being said, it was the right thing to do. So kudos to the SEMA team for making that happen. It doesn't stop us from doing what we're doing. So we still have project cards that we're building towards SEMA that still be launched that week at SEMA. So we're doing something very special with Toyo, where it's be a virtual event. So pay, pay attention, stay tuned. We'll make some announcements on what we have coming, which is fantastic, you know? Um, any upgrades to the mirror for center seating? DR, it's so weird, but no, not at all. The side mirrors are poised perfectly. I mean, as a matter of fact, it's so weird. When you sit in a center drive setup or center seat setup, the first few minutes, you kind of feel like, oh, it's kind of weird. You kind of always want to, like, kind of almost pull to the left. Like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then you get used to it, and you, you get so used to it, you feel like that's how all cars should be. And the mirrors, they have a very good line of sight on both sides. I didn't have to do anything else. But what I had to do for the center mirror is, of course, you'd be looking at your forehead or the cage. So I have, in the back of all these cars, I have this camera system where the it points towards the rearward line, so it gives you some kind of uh, depth perception, which is nice, uh, or distance perception. And then I have the rearview mirror with this camera system. So it looks like a rearview mirror, shape as a rearview mirror is right there, and it just shows like if you're looking behind you, but you're not looking at your head, you're actually looking at the camera screen. So that's what we have in them, which is pretty nice, you know? I've got a 987.2, set me up with that twin turbo. Done, matter, I'll make it happen. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, Terry said he'll be at West Tech. So West Tech is a very nice facility. I used to know Ernie out there at West Tech. They do a lot of um, dyno tuning and design and performance upgrades for domestic vehicles. And yeah, let me know when you're out there, Terry. I'll come by and take a look. It's nearby us, you know? Um, you need to have mirror on your car. You not need mirror on your car. I do, you do, you do. I mean, you're on the track, you're doing some ridiculous speeds, you have people around you, you should be aware of your surroundings. So mirrors are quite required indeed, you know? Um, Always wondered, what kind of mileage life do you or can you get from, a, from your fully built 5 to 800 horsepower, etc.? Um, you can rival what a manufacturer would do. So here's the thing. One thing that a lot of people do know about me, but a lot of people, quite a few people still don't, is that even though I do high horsepower cars, you know, one of the reasons why Mattel loves us so much is the cars are drivable. So... I am very big on building high horsepower vehicles that are drivable, very drivable. It's not a light switch that turns on and off. It's very drivable. And believe it or not, it started as far back as our CRZ. So we built this CRZ for American Honda that ended up making 533 horsepower. We actually improved the gas mileage by two miles per gallon and it was completely drivable. And the reason, the key is being able to design a turbo in such a way, a turbo system in such a way that when you're cruising, you're in vacuum. So when you're in vacuum, you're not really putting any undue stress inside the internal components of the engine, even though those internal component engine, you know, components are beefed up. So drivability, reliability is very key. I would never sacrifice longevity for power. It's just not my way. And that's the reason why, even in my time I used to drag race and my all-motor single-cam Insight ran low nines, I built my engines once a season, once every other season, while other people would build their engines every event sometimes take spare engines with them and swap them over the weekend. My engines lasted and lasted run after run, event after event, and I won a lot of those events. That's why you see so many trophies in my office. So that being said, why was I able to do that? I chose the right components, tuning was key, and I never ran my engines on the ragged edge. 
Gary Mench AMG said, would you ever twin turbo a GT3, GT3 RS? I would if a client requested that of us. So it is possible. Porsche um, fuel systems are quite robust. It allows a lot of opportunities. So I would do that. Um, but I have not had the opportunity to explore that for individuals. One thing I do um, have a bit of a challenge with, and it's something I can work with my friends on Cobb in, in exploring, is many times when you convert naturally aspirated engines to turbocharging using the factory ECU, there are very few opportunities for fail-safes, like boost cut or some kind of cool closed-loop function for boost control. It's just something you cannot explore. And that's why I'm a huge advocate of standalones like Infinity in those setups, like AM Infinity. But um, it's something that I have no objection to doing. You just haven't had a client to ask us for that, you know? Um, have you done charge speed testing with Chatmo yet? Are you getting the ideal 50 kilowatt peak charge rate? Um, Cobalt, it depends on the charge station. So I've seen some stations from charge point that give out 50 kilowatts. I've seen that dish out 20. I also have a deer rate set up in my, in my system and I've logged it. Um, I've noticed my batteries, especially if I have some of the higher kilowatt um, um, charge capabilities, that it gets really warm fairly quickly. And then my BMS would then ask the station to reduce the amount of current going into the batteries to allow me to do that. So I haven't had the opportunity to bleed completely and then use a fast charge to see what happens. I've been about 60% state of charge and charged up and it's very, very quick. But um, temperature does play a huge role. So hopefully that answers your question properly, you know? Are you accepting any interns or recent ME graduates? We always look for interns, cars, and spotting. So please write to us at lab at bcmo.com, send your resume. And if you have what it takes, we can bring you on board. Here's a quick, scary question, says Matter Moo. What does something like a twin turbo kit on a Cayman cost? Well, it depends. So there are companies out there that already make kits for a single turbo, and it's about 9,000. What we're thinking as a team is 15. And for that $15,000, it comes with a full engine management standalone and a base map and all the parts that you need to do a swap in a weekend if you so desire. So that's the goal. So you think about 15, which, by the way, is pretty cost effective because we have customers who are Honda guys, Honda Civic guys, who drop 20 grand on a kit. And it doesn't even come with engine management. <laughs> but yeah, so 15,000 is the target price. How does the torque curve look on the K3V? Does it resemble a piston? Does it go to maximum acceleration? It's very different. So let's compare the K3V, which is much faster than my IROC Porsche, even though my IROC Porsche makes 850 horsepower. So on the IROC Porsche, it starts off as any petrol engine being extremely inefficient. As RPM and time goes up, it goes up to an efficiency where peak torque exists and then falls off, becomes less efficient again. Hence the reason for us to shift, to fall into that efficiency range where we have very good horsepower and relatively good torque to keep us accelerating very nicely. The electric K3V motor output being only 636 kilowatts, um, horsepower I should say, 475 kilowatts, 636 horsepower when compared to the Porsche's IROC 850, starts off immediately high. So, if I tip into it on the dyno, it shuts down my dyno. It's just so much torque overload. But as you look at the nature of the motor, what it does is it starts off at very high torque and very high horsepower and then carries over for a long period of time and then gradually tapers off. So in terms of area on the curve, the K3V has the advantage of not falling off as quickly, being more efficient for a long period of time, and no need for shifting because I'm not trying to chase a particular power band. It's a one-speed setup. Well, I have a six-speed in my 
I rock Porsche. So I hope that answers your question properly, you know? Sonapin is asking, have you ever tuned Volvo, such as the S40? No, I have not. I've not had the opportunity to play with that yet. Um, I've had customers come here with row race cars that are Volvos with swaps in them, and we've tuned those on AM Series 2s. But no, I've not had the opportunity or pleasure of tuning a Volvo yet. How's the Honda Odyssey doing? Any more van builds coming on? Um, the Honda Odyssey is right there in the corner. You can't see it, but it's right there behind that door. Um, pardon me. And um, I don't have any vans planned soon. I've been getting this um, array of DMs from me. I guess Optima built a Mercedes-Benz, and, um, and they're very clever because they didn't say the fastest van. They said the fastest street-legal van. Um, I don't know what that means, um, but uh, maybe because it's street, I don't know. Anyway, um, long story short, um, I don't have any plans. It's, it's up to the manufacturer. So we built that once again in collaboration with American Honda. So if Toyota comes to us or Nissan comes to us and wants to do a Quest or, any, or, or FCA comes to us and wants to do a Pacifica, I'm down. But right now we haven't received any requests from any of our partners to build a van. Thank you, Ms. Jeannie Kelly. Good seeing you. I think you're out in Texas now. Jeannie is a good friend who was in California for quite a while. She was uh, deep into the car culture back in the day, but now she's moving up to bigger and better things. I think she's more in the tech industry nowadays. So, Jeannie, good seeing you indeed. Could the NSX electric drivetrain be swapped to another car? Yes, it can. Quite invasively and expensively, but it can be done. Um, the beauty of the NSX NC1 setup is that it has three electric motors. It has one each wheel in the front, and in the rear, in between the gearbox, and the petrol engine, which is a twin-turbo V6. It also has another very slim electric motor. And they're, you know, instead of being more of a radio motor, like what I use in my projects, it's more of an axial, like a pancake style, which creates a lot of good torque. And that's why, despite the 500 horsepower rating of the NSX, like low to mid 400, 500 horsepower rating, it can spank Hellcats and all these other race cars out there on the racetrack because of the immediate torque and how it launches so amazing. You know, which is, which is great, you know? Tell Annie said, looks I would do that, Miss Jeannie. I would do that indeed. Good morning, Sleeper versus Flash. Good seeing you. Indeed. Hello, Pator. Can't quite read. I think that's like Arabic, but I can't quite read that. But hopefully you're saying positive things. But thank you for joining us here on the 146th episode of the Beast of Motor Tech Tuesday, which is great. So there's something else I want to talk to you guys about, which is pretty interesting, you know? Um... Stop with this electric car. We want vroom, 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 says God, hello, Vertanas. Um, unfortunately, I cannot. And God, has, I'll tell you why. Uh, just like you, I was a diehard petrol head. I had the opportunity to explore high RPM, low displacement engines. I derive pleasure from building natural aspirated cars to spank on turbo cars. When I moved to turbocharging, I would love flames and all this stuff. And I was anti-EV, like you could, I thought it was stupid. I thought it was meant for individuals who hug trees or wore hemp sandals or for just hippies. I could care less about it, right? But I noticed our partners in the OEM started going towards that technology. Now, the hybrids may be able to tickle your, or wet your whistle, I should say, or tickle your fancy, like what we talked about a moment ago with the NSX, where it combines a little bit of two. But there's something about the raw power and excitement of an EV, a performance EV, not more of an EV that allows you for transportation or mobility, but just performance EV. The torque is unlike anything I feel. This car in my chest, I mean, I feel it in my chest when I launch. It's just the most amazing thing ever. And I'm an enthusiast first, an engineer second, and as an enthusiast, you cannot deny the acceleration. And it has its own noise. It sounds like this crazy 
wine and, and weird. It's just, I mean, as a matter of fact, something else I'll do probably later on today, in addition to sharing what Janelle's thoughts were on our center seat Porsche, I'm going to put up a video of Ford racing that my friends at AEMEV um, just posted recently, and it's a drag race of this Ford Mustang. And just listen to the launch control of this thing. It is, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds amazing. And no petrol engine can even mimic that. So I appreciate your enthusiasm, but I'm telling you guys, it's, it's really a blessing in disguise. Um, what are your take on the electric rallycross cars? I think it's um, awesome. I've seen some demos of rallycross uh, electric vehicles and the, the all-wheel drive and it's just the most amazing and then the, the, the it's just sick. Guys, the great thing about technology is no matter what you and I do, it will continue to, to advance. And technology is here to stay. We're just going to keep seeing it. You know, it's just going to keep happening. So no matter what we want to do or say, things will continue to progress. And the EV world is here to stay. And it's going to make things very exciting and clean and amazing. Boxster electric motor setup. How is it? That would be awesome. I haven't done one yet, but I think uh, there's a team out in Australia who's done one. They have a lot of fun with it. I think they use a smaller, a repurposed smaller Tesla drive unit. And I think they're having good, you know. So Humble says, Miss Ginny, thank you so much. That's why I'm here. I appreciate that. What do you do to those Tesla motors? Well, for one, um, you know how Tesla has a very unique algorithm in terms of traction control, where it uses brakes to be able to slow down the offending wheel. Offending meaning the one that's slipping. Well, when you do repurpose these Tesla units, you have an open differential. So the first thing I do is throw in a Tesla um, uh, a, you know, compatible Quaife uh, limited slip differential or anti-torque biasing differential. And it's very robust, lifetime warranty, doesn't break, no clutches to misbehave or re, you know, readjust. Or, it's just ama infinitely amazing. It's like, a, it's like a beautiful helical setup in there that's very robust. Then when it comes to inverter, that is modified heavily to allow for more RPM and more power output. So a lot of the modifications are internal. If you get to a point where you more, want more top speed, Quave also has the opportunity to manufacture some different gears to numerically reduce the multiplication rate to allow you to have a lot more top end speed or the ability to mate it with another differential. So two major modifications, or I should say three, three major modifications. I definitely impregnate an LSD. I modify the inverter with a custom controller and have the opportunity to use a lubricant that can withstand the rigors of the rubbish that I drive, or the kind of madness I put into those cars. So I have my friends at Purell, I go, oh, I'm not wearing a hat today. Anyway, the Purell guys, they do a special blend for me on oil, and hopefully I can let, convince them to bring that to market. It's a pretty good lubricant for the uh, Tesla drive units. You know? Do you believe enthusiast EV conversions will be cheaper than the combustion in the future? Yes, I do. It'll be not only more cost-effective as time progresses and just sheer economics come into play, um, but it's also much cleaner and it'd be much more appealing to areas that have pollution issues like what we see in Southern California with smog or in areas of New York or just areas where emissions are very challenging or in UK. Even right now, there are congestion charges that have been placed on enthusiasts or motorists for quite a while in, in England for London to even enter. You have to pay, but some of those fees are actually uh, dismissed or allowed if you have an EV. So yeah. I think it would be great, you know? Where did you get that shirt? It's awesome. Oh my God, Ali Salehiriel. Um, it's one I had made, and with, because of the response, I'm just gonna put it up on a website. So I'm just gonna put it up. It's just, I didn't know that you guys would like that, but it was just like a little test, you know? 
Could you talk about exhaust or intake helmet resonators? I've seen those on bikes and Yamahas for years, says Rod Motorsport. Yes, I'd love to. So here's, here's something that I can share with you. Helmet resonators are amazing devices that allow you to have inertia supercharging and intakes, and also to do some very clever things with exhaust systems that I use exclusively on some of our pulse chambers. And exhaust systems not only can they help in scavenging exhaust, can allow for a better overlap clean intake, which net-net requires yields more power, can also do a good job in counseling out unwanted frequencies. So, what am I talking about? Here is how I can break down a Helmholtz chamber. Think of yourself standing at the side of a lake, and then you drop a pebble near you in the lake. You'll notice that the waves can ripple and travel down and come back. Now, if your lake is really big and you can't see the wave come back, try like in a bathtub, bathtub full of water, put a little pebble or device that's of mass in there. You'll see the wave travel away, get to the end, and converge back, okay? Helmholtz resonators take advantage of that phenomenon. And what happens is, if you time where the end of that wave occurs, you can have it meet a similar amplitude wave going out again, and it cancels it out. So imagine you're dropping rocks, boop, and waves are propagating. It goes to the end, it comes back, goes to the end, comes back. If you time it right with how far that wall where it reflects is, it can hit the wave with an with a, you know, amplitude that's the same amplitude, but a frequency that is, oh, actually, frequency amplitude that's very similar, and it will cancel it out. And what happens, you now have a calmness. Also, you can time it in a different way where the wave can come and join with another wave at a certain time and amplify the magnitude of that wave. So, when it cancels out, that's where you see sound being canceled. So you have the intake roar that goes away, on intakes, or you have the exhaust tones that go away with drone that you don't like. You can also time it very nicely so that when it comes and reflects back, it can join a similar amplitude with the same frequency, not opposing, and help create a stronger fluid motion. And in this case, with intakes, it can bring more air in. With exhaust, it can help scavenge more air out. So it's just a matter of using waves, taking advantage of fluid dynamics to create either noise cancellation and or power by inducing more air, inertia supercharging, or removing exhaust gases, allowing for a cleaner intake mixture when cams are both open on intake exhaust, hence overlap. Hmm, the intake tubes do the same. Absolutely, they do. Thank you, TurboSmart HQ. Appreciate the kind words. Hey, Shell, good seeing you. Good afternoon, long time no see. Hope things are well. Can a turbo cool electric motor efficiently? I would say no, just by quick thought. And why would I say that? Another lesson in physics, you guys may have heard of Charles' law. In this given law, in a given space, whenever you compress a gas, the temperature rises in direct proportion to the compression. So, if I was trying to cool something down, the last thing I want to do is use a compression device, like a turbo. So a turbocharger would take air from ambient or air that's fed to it. Because of it's being cogged to a turbine and a turbine has a heat source that spins it and compresses the gas in the turbo compressor itself, the air is now compressed and hence hotter temperature. So because the temperature is hotter, you wouldn't use it to cool down the device. As a matter of fact, that's what we have intercoolers. They should be called aftercoolers, but they're called intercoolers anyway. 
But we have these heat exchange devices that allow us to cool that intake charge down or the charge that comes out of the turbo. Just because as you compress the gas, the temperature goes up. So no, it's not good. Hello, Fox Design. I'm late. What did I miss? You missed so much great stuff. We talked about center seats. We talked about Mattel. We talked about my driving experiences. We talked about some really cool stuff with EVs. But for those of you who do not know my good friend Paul from Fox Design, with a Mattel car right here, he helped design this lovely, lovely shifter that's beautiful, made of wood. And on my wagon, he did so much. The guy has this amazing eye for detail. Very talented. It's so sad because his, his talent is, knows no bounds. Like, you should be in L.A. just doing stuff for these wealthy people out here. <laughs> anyway... Charles Hearn, good seeing you. Thanks for joining indeed. Oh, Charles from Dream Automotive. Please say hi to the entire team. Um, Peace, the first time I see you not wearing your hat. Well, I've done this a few times. I think I had one where um, it's been hot in Southern California. It's been hot here. But um, last time I was when I was in my residence because of COVID. <laughs> so I like to change things up from time to time. Maybe I'll wear my wig next time, my judge wig. Are you judging me because I'm not wearing a hat? Anyway. Happy September 1st to you, Roger Michael. Good seeing you indeed. Hello, High Class Customs. Long time no see. I hope you're staying safe as well. Yes, I'm here in my showroom, surrounded by beautiful porches by myself. But having a good time nonetheless. UK is in the house. Another person from England. Thank you so much for joining KC Fabrication. I miss coming out to the UK. I, I used to come. It was like a, a mecca for me. I used to take a pilgrimage pretty much to the UK every year, early in the year when it's nice and cold. But anyway... With COVID and everything shutting down, I haven't traveled. I haven't left. I haven't gotten on a plane this year at all. So, eh. Good to hear that you're doing well, B. Parse. Good seeing you indeed, you know. Does a Tesla have liquid cooling? Yes, they all do. So one thing that, I get the question a lot as well. People ask me, why do you have a radiator? Two questions I get, okay, on the K3V. Why do you have a radiator in the EV car? And why do you have a shifter in the EV car? So I'll answer both. The heat exchanger there, which is a GT3 heat exchanger made by CSF, very efficient, even superior to the one a Porsche makes, but it fits in the GT3 confines of the front nose and works extremely well in the front of the K3. Um, that device allows for heat exchange between my inverter, batteries, uh, stator, and motor. So it allows the opportunity for me to cool those down because the inverters do generate a lot of heat. Stators do too. And you have to cool those down to be allowed, especially when you're having a lot of fun, you have to cool those things down to be able to allow for a very useful, long-term project. And yes, even the factory testers have that, and factory karmas have them, and factory rivions will have them. And you just need liquid cooling in these cars. And on the shifter part, the shifter is what I use to initiate gear. So when I want to go forward, I push it forward. If I want to go reverse, I pull it back. Not a big fan of all the screens and buttons. It's just not my, my cup of tea. Um, I just like something a little bit more analog that feels like I'm in a classic Porsche, which I am. So I love the fact that when you sit in this K3V, it smells like an old Porsche, feels like an old Porsche. I mean, just the doors, you close like, it's solid like an old Porsche. If you remember our good friend, Manny Cosman drove me like, yeah, this door is solid. That's how Porsche, classic Porsches are. But then when you step on the, and the pedal is like a Porsche classic pedal. You step on it, oh, it feels familiar. Then the acceleration is just out of this world. I mean, remind you, even the old Porsche K3 935s were making, you know, 700 to 800 horsepower, but they didn't have the acceleration that this electric vehicle has. It's just unreal. Do you watch any Pikes Peak hill climbs? They're pretty nasty crashes with a Tesla piloted by Randy Pops. No, I, I didn't. Um, I don't even watch much television. I, I'm always working. So 
I didn't even hear about that. So I know a lot of people and partners in the industry who went there, but, and I've driven there myself, but I haven't had the opportunity to follow. I just haven't. Always working, night and day, day and night. Anyway, any suggestions for a mechanical engineer student wanting to work in the auto industry as Noah Kopak? Well, there's one thing that happens is really to intern. Whether it's with a major OEM, which is very hard to get into those, right? Or a facility like ours, you know, a lot of our interns have gone to companies like General Atomics, which is in uh, more, um, I would say, military aviation and aerospace. Hyundai, they love, Hyundai loves our interns. <laughs> so we've had like four interns go to America and Hyundai, which is great. So the one way to get your foot in the door is to get into a company and offer, like, you know, volunteer your time. It's actually, you know, I foresee, I'm not joking, guys, one day people will pay to intern in facilities. I mean it, because the amount of exposure, the amount of learning that you can get, there's a value to that. The amount of contacts that you can be exposed to by working in a facility like that is amazing. I mean, nothing stops anyone from calling companies like a Haltech or AEM or like um, a KNN and just talk to someone in HR to see if you can intern there for free. It doesn't matter if you're in the warehouse, it doesn't matter if you're in engineering or design, just offer your services, learn, and you never know. If you do a smashing job, those companies absorb you. And many times here, we have OEM partners who come by and see one of our individuals, like that person is fantastic. Can we please absorb into our organization? And we say, sure, go ahead, you have a blessing. And they get absorbed and they end up being like big wigs in the companies. I'm telling you, it's a great thing, you know? I would if you offer, yeah, we offer internships all the time. Absolutely, we do. Tesla Holyfield says they had a lot of EV cars this past weekend at Pikes Peak. Hill Climb predict they will soon break all the records just like the world's only IDR. And yes, it is, because you know the cool thing? All the things that, that really, a majority of things that, that quail, that challenge internal combustion engines are a bane to EVs. For example, heat. Whether it's natural aspirated or turbocharged, force induction, nitrous, whatever the case may be, heat is the enemy of performance for EV, I mean for internal combustion engines. So as they ingest warm air that has less molecules of, molecules of oxygen together, it doesn't create much power, so it hurts it. EVs could care less. As a matter of fact, when it gets warmer and the batteries are near optimum temperature, closer to let's say 40 to 45 degrees Celsius, the batteries really put out great power. So it loves the warmth to some extent, within reason. It doesn't want to be in 60 degrees Celsius, but in the 40s, it's nice. Then, elevation. Of course, we've all driven our cars, our trucks up mountains, and it gets slower and slower. For those of you in SoCal that remember, LACR, Los Angeles County Raceway in Palmdale. We hated racing there, right? Because it was just so horrible. We lose half a second to, or sometimes a second depending on the conditions because of elevation. Guess what? What you run here with an EV at sea level, at Palmdale run at the same time because it could care less about elevation. Kind of cool, right? So that being said, based upon those two major attributes, you have things like the Volkswagen IDR who can just break all records for Pikes Peak no matter what kind of vehicle it is and more and more cars keep doing it. I'm telling you, the future is bright. Nothing to balk at. I was one of those guys. It's good to embrace it. It's great, you know? Love your work, says Dash Innovation. Going to have to get your clear hood for one of your race cars soon. Thank you so much, you're too kind. I appreciate the kind words, indeed. Um, what do you think about the Porsche 944? It's one of the most underrated, unappreciated chassis that Porsche ever made. Being an FR layout, being a front engine, rear wheel drive, Fairly balanced for its time. The looks are very attractive indeed. But because it wasn't well received by the population and because it was you know, abruptly discontinued, it's not a very expensive Porsche. It tends to attract individuals who don't really invest well in their vehicles, but I think they're really cool cars. 
if I were to build a drift car that was Porsche, that would probably be the choice that I would use. Like a cool budget drift car, if there's such a thing. I want to put an electric motor in a rear tire in a front wheel drive. That's a good, that's a good idea, absolutely. And very soon, God, yeah, you're, you're, you're turning around, huh? Very soon, our friends at AEM will have the capability for you to do that, you know? Do you know when a Porsche Hub t-shirt will restock? Well, all I have in stock now are extra lodges, right? So uh, should be later this week, hopefully. Send me an email um, at sales at bcmo.com. And then when they're back in stock, I'll be more than happy to give you a ring or send you an email to you so you can probably get access to it, you know? Yeah, it has a transaction, absolutely. That's why I mentioned earlier, they're very well balanced. Not bad at all, you know? Oh, Ali's planning to buy that four. I think you have a lot of fun with that, you know? It, it has, if you look at the quality of the build, especially if you find a clean one, the quality of the build is quite nice. It really is a nice build. Um, those cars are pretty cool. And it's just a shame that uh, they're underappreciated. It's just like a 914. I have a 1976 2.0 here. Man, people don't appreciate this car. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's really cool. It's really cool. I like it. Okay, let's see here. You guys are so wonderful today. What do you see the price of an EV block that could replace the B18 home motor? The price of an EV block. Block. Interesting way of describing it. Well, let's talk about the options you have. So you have options where you can keep your factory transmission or gearbox. Where there are companies like, uh, what's a good one? Um, trying to think of one that's very nice. Um, Neck day. Netgain has these motors that are pretty nice. They are cylindrical in size, about the length of a four-cylinder, a small four, like a D-series length. Pretty heavy, though. Don't let the size fool you. They put out about 120 horsepower in the high end and about 180 pounds for the torque, which is pretty nice and torquey. So that combined with a gearbox can give you some very nice opportunities. So it would be superior, definitely, to that which you may see in a, in a B16 in terms of acceleration or a D-series, definitely, by far. But my favorite, as in terms of something that you can easily add on, that's fairly cost-effective and you can get from dismantlers, now repurposing companies, is the Tesla drive units. Because it has integrated motor, inverter, and transaxle, which is great, right? So depending on what chassis you are, in the larger chassis, you can probably fit a large drive unit. Um, it would be easier to fit a smaller drive unit. And it has three motor mounts. I think you're talking about mounts, Huckleberry Thin. And it has three mounts that you can be able to grab onto to allow for a very nice, robust installation. Um, the motors can hover in right now in dismantlers. You can find base units in the upper 2,000 range. You can find probably sport units closer to four or 5,000, depending on where you get it. You can find some cheaper ones, but most of the time you have no idea what you're getting. But from reputable sources, they get a little more expensive. But the biggest expense, in my opinion, is in the batteries. So to be able to have the batteries, that can allow you to have the density that you need to give you decent range and performance. They can get very expensive, especially if you're buying them new. Now, you can repurpose some of the more cost-effective ones from, let's say, the Chevy Volt, but also because of how the bricks sit, um, they are not as modular to install into chassis, you know? And even though those cells are made by LG Chem, um, they're just put together a certain way for GM to make it easier for them. You also have opportunities with the Chevy Bolt. You can buy brand new packs from the dealership for $15,000, $16,000. So there are many options out there, but um, there are also some more options that are coming out very soon that are very modular in nature that can allow you to move things around very nicely. But expect to spend, at least in batteries and battery management, close to $20,000. Now, you may say, wow, BC, that's a lot of money, right? 
But think about our friends who do sport front-wheel drive cars, who want to run, let's say, eights. They spend 60, 70, 80, $100,000 in their Civics just to hit eights, maybe sevens. Well, guess what? You can probably do that with an EV setup and not spend as much and definitely not have the maintenance or breakdowns that you see with petrol engines or the blow-ups or throwing rods, no gaskets, no blazing turbos. It's pretty interesting, you know? Chemist is asking, I like your name, Chemist. That's pretty, pretty nice, K-H-3-MIST. Thoughts on rolling anti-lag? I heard people installing them, but they feel like they don't really use them. Yeah, a lot of people install them. So here's the cool thing about rolling anti-lag. You know how people do a lot of rolling runs or you know Texas miles or, or, or you go to airport airstrips and you do things like no-fly zone. Um, I think 1320 does some few things from time to time. They go to Kalinga to do some stuff. Anyway, rolling anti-lag, as the name implies, is where you build boost to put lag at bay while you're driving, while you're rolling. And let's say that you have a very large turbo. Let's say you're running a 72 millimeter turbo on a Porsche 911. Pretty big, right? But you can make a lot of power with that, but you have no bottom end whatsoever. You can be cruising at 40 miles an hour in third gear and getting ready to run someone, you floor it, and it's going to take time to, to build boost. But if you do a rolling anti-lag, which means you initiate in a condition where you retard timing, add a little bit of fuel, you can now combust inside the turbine and spool that turbo quickly. So you're now building at rest, dare I say 10, 15, 20 PSI while rolling. And then when you press down on the gas, you immediately have an explosive launch and cars out. So it's a really good thing to do. Hard on turbos, hard on components, hard on exhaust valves, but it's an amazing concept and works extremely well. So you see some of the rolling races that people have in Mexico, you see them shooting flames, they stay, right? And they take off, that's rolling anti lag, which is pretty cool. What is the importance of getting a tune when going from a top mountain cooler to a front mountain cooler? i.e. Turbo Subaru. Yes, there is a huge, so I'll give you one simple concept that can probably allow you to wrap your head around that very nicely. Turbocharged cars are just natural aspirated setups that are pressurized. Now, what do you mean by that, BC? As you and I sit here, you may be sitting, you may be standing, you may be laying, whichever the case may be, you are breathing in 14.7 PSI of boost. You may not know that, but actually, we are at one atmosphere, ideally. If you're not, unless you're in Utah, somewhere, or Kilimanjaro, but we're sitting here, we're breathing in. The reason why our lungs can expand, the reason why we have this nice compression on our, our, our skin is because we are sitting at pressure, at atmospheric pressure. So, when we're naturally aspirated, it's actually ingesting much easier because it's at atmospheric pressure. So that being said, thank you so much, Efren Portia. I miss you, Efren. You need to come by. I need to talk to you. Anyway, the reason why we are able to play around with intake lens and exhaust lens and get torque and power, those concepts also exist in turbocharging. Try yourself. Run a long tube or a long runner manifold on your turbo project. Switch out to a short runner and see what happens. Your bottom end torque goes away. You're still boosting, you're still forcing air in, but it's just not as efficient as before, especially in lower RPMs, because those same concepts apply. So, moving from a top mount to a, to a mid mount to a low mount to a long tube, short tube, the exhaust manifold design and lens do play a role into your tuning. 
and where it demands fuel before will be different from where it demands fuel afterwards. So yes, it's important to tune it. So think of it in terms of natural aspiration and that you're just pressurizing it and that'll make more sense to you. Mission Flyer all the way from Florida. I love Florida. We used to race out there in Orlando, had the opportunity to have a lot of national meetings there when I was in corporate. And recently I did some training in Miami last year and it's just a beautiful country or state. And the cool thing about Florida is that they don't have any mission laws like we do in California. So in California, one of the reasons why I love EV so much is that it passes emissions. I don't have to worry about smog. But California, they're very strict. You can't really misbehave. And if you get caught, you go to a state rep. Most of the time you have to put your car back in stock or get rid of it or it's crazy, you know? Cleveland, Ohio is in the house, courtesy of King Mark 216. Thank you for joining indeed. What is your take on building battery packs yourself? Who are you? Do you know something? Do you know something, Neil P6? I'm watching you, Neil. Anyway, I think it's a great idea. Don't be surprised. Hello, Roger Thatch. What's good with you as well, sir? Hope things are well out there and that you're staying safe. And, you know, Covote is asking, have you looked into EV generator trailers to give infinite range to EV conversions? I'm researching using Mega Squirt open inverter board on a Chevy Volt engine. Yes, I have. Um, I was talking to one of the professors at a local college here. Rio Hondo, to be exact, and he's playing around with that too. Maybe I should connect you guys. He's a good guy, you know. Civic to Porsche says Ever Campos, what a dream! <laughs> You're too kind. I just love cars. So, right here in front of me is a Lotus, boosted one by pretty crazy. It's gonna be crazy when we're done. Not Porsche, yeah, I'm surrounded by, but there's also Hyundai's back there and an Audi R8 and a Rolls Royce. A lot of cars here. A lot of crazy stuff here, indeed. Guatemala's in the house. What's up, Nilo84? I love Guatemala, and I have one of my best friends, Barry Meza, who owns Trump Pistons, is from Guatemala, you know? In a cooler for the Velocir N, says Espadan. It's so great you said that. Just finalized on the CAD design last night. I'm going to do a post about that soon. So very soon, all of you Velocir N heads are going to have an intercooler that is the most advanced, most amazing intercooler ever. We were able to stuff a whole lot of intercooler in a very small space. The density, the fin density is amazing. The bottom plate is superb. The ends are just, the castings are just beautiful. It bolts in, no cutting of your car whatsoever, no modifying, no throwing away of a crash bar. It's literally a plug and play affair. And the deltas are nowhere near 20 degrees Fahrenheit, which is what I'm experiencing in a prototype. It's great. You'll love it, you know? Connection sounds cool. The Chevy Volt. Engine can put out 120 kilowatts electrical load. Nice, very nice indeed. Does it require, no, no crash bar at all. You don't remove anything at all, sir. Even to install it, you don't remove it. It's pretty cool. You know, in the United States, the crash standards are quite strict and we want to maintain that. So there's not, if anything, they'll enhance it. <laughs> it's a pretty nice, pretty robust intercooler. It's, it's fantastic, it's beautiful. What are you taking to what cars and coffee car meet? Okay, Bites, you know, my van has been just chilling for a while, right? So I think very soon they have a CNC car thing. I may just take the Odyssey out, let it stretch his legs a bit, you know? I think I'll do that. Um, if not the Odyssey, maybe the Viper, if not the Viper, Veloster N, maybe? I have a lot, some, a lot of choices here, you know? Have you ever built an electric bike? Any future plans? Neo P6? No, I, um, I'm afraid of two-wheel car automobiles. I like to stay on four wheels. Bikes really do frighten me. I just, it's just too crazy. I'm a family man. I can't do that, I can't do that stuff anymore. <laughs> but no, 
no, no plans for bikes at this time, you know? When is it going to be? I will check. I think it's a couple of Saturdays from now. I'll, I'll po do a post soon. So, Jay Pizzle, um, I think you subscribe to us, so please uh, pay attention. I'll, I'll put it up soon. But, um, yeah, most likely I'll take the van out. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. It's like, uh, not next Sunday. I have to check later on. The phone that has my calendar is actually the phone I'm using for this interaction with you, right? Which is crazy. Um, I was going to mention something earlier to you guys, which is pretty cool, but I'm drawing a blank. It will come to me soon. But, um, oh, going back to the electric motors, yes, net gains, they're pretty cool, but the power output, as an, uh, an EV enthusiast, someone who loves performance EVs, um, the net gain doesn't really offer me the crazy performance I want. Now, in a small, lightweight vehicle like a Caterham, that's perfect. But in anything that's really fairly large, um, I prefer using either units from y um, Yasa or um, Karma or Tesla or... Any of the other brands that are out there that are pretty good, whether it's radio or axial. I like those indeed. I just put a BC motor radiator in the EG Civic. A BC motor radiator? King Mark, I never made radiators. If someone is using my name to sell radiators, let me know, please. 944 EV conversion. Now that's cool. That is really cool, Jay Pizzle. I like how you think a lot. That'd be a really cool project. And it will lend itself extremely well to that platform. I think that'd be good, you know? Oh, wait, hold on. I saw the tune you have for the N. Is 91 Octane? Do you have another map? Stage tube of 93 Octane in the N available, says Esteban. Yes, I can easily do a 93 Octane map. And it gives even more power than what we have with the California urine we have out here. So, yes, if you're interested in doing that, all I'll need is literally, I'll need your ECU for a day, whether you're coming here or you're shipping it to us, and we can send it back to you very quickly. And I do have to bench flash it, fortunately or unfortunately. I'm starting 920 AEV. That's a cool project, P. Wolf. I'm glad to hear that. If you need some help, I have a lot of cool parts that I can help you with. Just let me know. BZ Motor Radiator Cap says, oh, even crazier. I never made any radiator caps either. Let me know what's going on, King Mark. Send me a DM. I want to find out who's using my name to sell parts. Any plans for EV Miata? No, no EV Miata this time. Unless Mazda approves it. Have you ever turbo Honda or Porsche engine with FRM sleeve liners? It's worth it. I have done a ton of those. A ton. S2000s, for example. We had one on dyno yesterday. That one made 441 to the wheels. Um, one of my guys here in-house, his makes 550 to the wheels on pump gas and water methanol. Um, I had a client that made 650. All FRM. Yeah. And I have another car that we're building right now that has an H23 set up. Also FRM, or H22, H22, and he wants to push crazy. I'll let you know how it goes. He wants to push 500, so we'll see. M97 4.0 build, what head work, crank, etc. Hmm. So Porsche Craft, I am not a huge advocate of going crazy with the bores, only because of gasket choices are very scant, but I would like to do it using a larger crankshaft. So anything that's from a 3C or 3.8, I will use for sure. Going to be bigger on the bore, but head work, it's something a lot of people don't talk about, right? And I'm, I'm also part of the blame to that. I do have M97 valve springs on our website that we sell. And it's Beehive. It's amazing. And the reason why I made that Beehive is so that it doesn't have any harmonics. You can never find a natural harmonic where it causes it to fail. As you may notice, some of the M96 and M97 springs tend to break because it gets to a certain natural harmonic and it fractures it. Not with the windings we have. So it's pretty cool. So by all means, in terms of valve train, uh, we do have a BC motor spring and retainer kit. By all means, check it out. It's fairly cost-effective too. I don't do that whole Porsche tax thing. It's not worth it. But by all means, we can do that indeed, you know? 
Does Sharp do frame fabrication for EV conversions? Yes, we do. We do that in-house here. And uh, if we're packed in-house here, we have another facility, other friends of ours that can help out. Who's in Riverside? By all means, Sam is really good. How complicated was it building an EV? Um, on the 30,000 foot level, not very complicated, but it became complicated for me because it was shared with me with such ease. It's a lot of wiring. Give you a perfect example. My setup has two 403 volt large packs um, consisting of 96 cells in each pack. And each of those 96 cells have a positive and a negative. Each of those 96 packs have a division of six battery modules, and each of those battery modules have two thermistors in each one. I have to wire by hand each and every one of those cells and each and every one of those thermistors to go to a battery management system being an RN. I use RN BMS, RN2 BMS. It's a lot of wiring, a lot of crimping. My hands like, ah, it was pretty crazy, you know? So yes, it's quite, it's quite involved in terms of the sheer labor. And engineering, you have to be very safe. This is dangerous stuff. And I'm constantly learning. And, um, but if you are used to doing crazy projects, it's not too crazy. If you're used to just hands-on little stuff, it's really a big, gargantuan task to do that, you know? Do you have any experience with EN30B cranks, asked AJ Thompson or from the UK, good seeing you. I have not used that at all. I'm not familiar with that at all. Forgive me, please. Um, what do you think about the 2.3 liter five-cylinder AK24 turbo? They're okay. Are you using it for performance? Are you just using this for modifying something? Are you trying to put a budget together? Give me some more insight on that because it wouldn't be my first or second choice in terms of like a crazy high horsepower build at all. Can you buy a pre-wired BMS battery system? Yes, you can. Um, some people would use something that's commercially available from, let's say, Chevy Volt and leave it as is. Some people do the same thing with Tesla modules, Tesla battery modules, and leave them as is and insert a chip to be able to use the whole wiring and everything like that. Um, I do things that are very unique, and I tend to want to put my own algorithms in place, especially in terms of thermal management and control. So that being said, the cool thing that Orion does for us is they supply a flying lead. So it makes things much easier. So you have this very long flying lead harness that has gold connectors that connect straight to BMS, but you have these flying leads that all you have to do is terminate and crimp on your connectors to your BMS inputs on your battery module. So it's not so bad, but it's just fairly tedious. The time will come when companies like ours and companies like GT Electric will come out with, with setups where you can just lay it in, plug it in, and crank away and go. So um, that's the goal, right? That would be a magic, that would just be spectacular. Think about it, when you could have a Porsche 911, and you could be in the UK, on Australia, and all you do is place an order, and we ship you everything, the battery, the inverter, the motor, the mounts, the wire harness, the BMS, the packaging, the contactors, the, everything. All you do is just, with instructions, lay everything in, connect them, and turn it on. How great would that be, right? We're going to get there. It'll take a little bit of time. Once again, the performance EV is in its infancy. Or let's say you had a Civic Si and you had a 1994 EG and you want to do a small drive unit and you want to make 300 horsepower, all motor in your setup. All you have to do is get this kit, comes with mounts, comes with everything, comes with a plug. All you have to do is screw everything in and boom, you're done. Charge it up and go fly and start spanking people in Mexico, right? That would be great, right? But that, that's coming. So it takes a little bit of time, but it will get there, you know? So that being said, guys, you see this? My thing is turning red now. That means my time is up. AJ, that's a great question. Let's talk about that next week, by all means. 
But guys, thank you so much for joining me. This will be up here on Instagram indefinitely on my stories. And for those of you on YouTube, I'll have a condensed version where we cut a lot of things out, but get the nice juicy stuff I'll put there. So if you want to see that, subscribe to the BCMO YouTube page. And for those listening on the podcast networks, we'll have that on your favorite podcast applications, whether it's Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you know, you name it, Podbean. We're there. Just search for BCMOTO, B-I-S-I-M-O-T-O. We'll make it happen. Guys, I'll put this shirt up ASAP. So you guys can place some orders and we'll get it to you. In the meantime, thank you so much. Have a great day. Stay safe. See you soon. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Bye-bye.